Isn't that great? <laughs> you know, it's actually, believe it or not, it's a commercial. And it's a commercial for an online counseling service that's available. But man, it just, it, it, it rings so true. And I'll tell you something that I really like about that video is, I mean, it's just, it's just funny. And, and maybe you've been there. But did you catch his look at the end? You know, there's this moment of comic relief where the tension is relieved. And yet, you see that what this guy just bore out, this, 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 this weight on his heart that he finally felt free to open up about. The joke didn't make that pain go away. And the tagline that you'll see at the end of this commercial, if you happen to hit it online, is simply this. Do you ever feel like you need someone else to talk to? Because sometimes I think we do find ourselves in that place where we're, we're finally willing to open up maybe just a little bit, let someone into our soul. And then when it's not met with the answers that we're hoping for or the support that we were hoping to gain, or even just the empathy of someone coming along, it's like it hurts even worse. It's like it does sometimes even more damage. It's like it causes us to kind of retreat inside ourselves even more. And I gotta believe some of you are in that place. And I gotta believe that at some time, all of us find ourselves in that place. I mentioned it earlier, but this year we're going through this biography of Jesus, a gospel called John, this incredible story that, that John is telling us about his experiences with Jesus. And if you were with us last week, we were in John chapter 11. If you weren't with us last week, I really encourage you maybe after today, go back and listen to that. You can catch it on our website. But it's really a story about grief. It's a story about Jesus getting word that his good friend Lazarus is sick. And I don't mean just like I'm not feeling well today. I mean scary sick. I mean life and death sick. I mean no hope kind of sick. It's a story about Jesus' friend Lazarus dying. And it's really about story. It's really a story about Jesus grieving. It's where you find that classic little phrase, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. But he didn't just weep, he did all kinds of things in his grief. Grief is inevitable. Some of you are here actively grieving today. Sometimes grief can be healing but I think a lot of times we get stuck in it. And many times we simply don't know what to do with it, how to channel it, how to respond to it, how to get through it. There's something comforting to me that Jesus, even though he has authority over death and the grave 
still grieved. And it's okay. John 11 tells the story of, of how friends are processing their grief together. And that's what I'd like to do today. For the most part, we're going through the Gospel of John, but every now and then, I think this story of Jesus presents itself with an opportunity to kind of do a one-off. And today, we're simply going to do a one-off and how to grieve. Because, again, I want to say it, grief is inevitable. Maybe you're here today and you're grieving. I'm so glad that you're here. And not just isolating yourself away as many people do and their grief. Maybe you're here today and you're not grieving. Praise God for that, truly. But I guarantee you will someday. You know, in the history of the Christian faith, there's been eras where they've spent all kinds of times on this. You know, like, like back like in the Middle Ages and the Renaissance and stuff, they actually used to write manuals on like how to die well and how to grieve. And it kind of sounds funny, doesn't it? But, but I think maybe they were onto something because I think our tendency is the opposite. I think we try to often avoid it at all costs. But have you noticed that avoiding it doesn't often make it go away? We try to be strong in the midst of it, but it's still there. Even when we try to acknowledge it, we, 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 we know it's there, but we don't know how to get through it. There is so much Jesus has to teach us and so much the Bible speaks into and so much that 2,000 years of Christian reflection and meditation has to say on working and processing through our grief. And when I talk about grief, let me say this at the outset, I am not just talking about death. Because I believe in what I have experienced and what I've witnessed in other people is that grief comes along any time there is a sense of loss. Certainly that happens when we stand at the graveside of someone we love or know that it is coming, knowing that whom we lost, we are not going to see again. We are not going to have that kind of relationship again. But grief isn't just restricted to death. Grief can come at the end of any kind of relationship or friendship, a divorce, or she simply doesn't love me anymore, a friendship that drifts. Grief can come when you move. And even if you're excited for the new adventure in front of you and where you're going to, you know that things will not be the same again and you are still saying goodbye to a house that you love, a neighborhood that you love, people that you love, and a way of life that you loved. Grief can come when you change churches. And even if you love the new place, you love it here, there's still something you long for and miss because there was something good that you had back there. Grief can come when you change a job or lose one by your design or against your will. And the sense of identity, grief can come and the choices that you make and the regrets 
that often follow. Grief can truly come in the most simple ways when you get to the end of a great book series and it's done. A vacation with friends that you were longing for and loved every moment of, and now it's done. Now we all grieve. Anytime there's a sense of loss, anytime the doctor says, you can't fill in the blank again. Jesus has so much to teach us in our times of loss and grief. So does the Bible, and today what I'd like to do is just walk you through in a one-off sort of Sunday. Things I've learned, things I believe God has impressed on my heart, things that I've experienced that hopefully can help you in whatever time or form of grief. To anchor this, there's four or five slides that I'll show you here today. I'll put them up there just to kind of root an insight. Let's jump in and see where it takes us. The first is this. Guys, look. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. And here's what I mean by that. Sometimes the grief itself that you're facing doesn't make sense, but sometimes the thing that you're grieving over just doesn't make sense. The human nature is always to try to make sense out of what is happening. And I see this so much, and maybe you've been a part of it. Let's go to a funeral. Imagine a funeral you've been at, or imagine trying to walk alongside that loved one in a time of their loss and their grief. Imagine just being with your friend or a family member in a time that they're sad. Don't you feel this inner drive to try to make sense of it, to try to explain it, to try to bring some kind of, of rationale to it, so somehow in the hope that it will make it better. But sometimes it doesn't make sense. What we're facing just doesn't make sense. You'll see people at caskets all the time, at funerals all the time, say things like this, well, well God just has a plan. There's a greater purpose behind this, or maybe even take steps out of vagary and start to say things specifically. Well, you know, maybe God was trying to protect this from happening, or maybe God is trying to teach you something. God killed my five-year-old child to try to teach me something? No. No. No, sometimes we simply just live in the aftermath of a cruel and fallen world, a world that is not of God's design, patterns of life that are not of God's intention. Sometimes we just live in the fallout and there is no logic behind it. And it's okay to say that this doesn't make sense and it's wrong and I don't like it. There's something good about being honest 
in times like this? Do you know that the Bible is filled? Not so much with answers to these questions that we ask, but people asking the same kinds of questions is you and me. Let me read to you from Job, a man who faced loss beyond loss and grief beyond grief. He cries out, why do the wicked live on? My family did not. Why do they live on, growing old and increasing in power? Their children are established around them, their offspring before their eyes, their homes are safe and free from fear. The rod of God is not upon them. Their bulls never fail to breed. Guess that was important. Their cows calve and do not miscarry. They send forth their children as a flock. Their little ones dance about. They sing to the music of tambourines and a harp. They make merry to the sound of a flute. They spend their years in prosperity and go down to the grave in peace. Yet they say to God, leave us alone. We have no desire to know your ways. Who is this almighty that we should serve him? Why would we, what would we gain by praying to him. And Job is sitting here who tried to do everything right, facing everything wrong, going, this makes no sense. God, why? I love Psalm chapter 6. Listen to this. My soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord? How long? Turn, O God, and deliver me. Serve me. Because of your unfailing love, no one remembers you when he is dead. Who praises you from the grave? I'm worn out from grieving. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and I drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak and sorrow. They fail because of it. Have you ever prayed that way? Have you ever felt that way? You stand in a long line of people crying the same cries and pleas before God, trying to make sense of their loss. And sometimes, sometimes, there just isn't any sense to be made out of it, any good to extract out of it, any higher purpose for which it served. Sometimes it is just bad, wrong, random, and futile. And the people of God have been praying in the midst of that for 3,000 years. Which leads me to this. Whatever you're feeling, whatever you're feeling, acknowledge it and accept it. Why am I so numb right now? I don't know but acknowledge it, accept it. Why can't I get past this? I have been grieving for months, no, for years, and it keeps welling up. What's wrong with me? I don't know. 
but just acknowledge it and accept it. Why am I so angry? I'm so angry. I don't know why. Acknowledge it, accept it. I'm angry at God. I'm mad at him. I know. And you're not alone. And his shoulders are big enough to handle it. Acknowledge it and accept it. Trying to figure out why you're feeling what you're feeling may be interesting, but it rarely, I find, leads to the resolution you're looking for. And certainly trying to deny or shove down what you're feeling doesn't do any good in the process. No, whatever you're feeling, simply accept it. Acknowledge it with a humble honesty and humility before God and let him meet you in that place because at least you're being real about what you're experiencing. Starting in that place can do a world of good. And don't be, ex don't be surprised if it flips on a dime to think you're beyond something and then out of nowhere it comes raising up its head again. That at one moment you're crying and then in the time when everyone else is grieving you find yourself laughing. It doesn't make sense. That's okay. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to because whatever you're feeling, God will meet you in that place. It leads me to this. And hear this one. Some of you, I think, really need to hear this one. You can trust God in your loss and with your loss. You can trust him with what you're feeling. He's not going to judge you or condemn you there. No, you can trust him with what you're feeling. And you can trust him with the tangible reality of what you lost. Trusting, be it that loved one, that situation, that past, that history, that, that course of action that is to come from the choices you made. You can trust whatever it is with him. I do a lot of funerals. And more and more when I find myself at funerals, more and more I find myself who, uh, among people who don't have their feet planted in God or in his word. And it's an absolute joy and privilege to do funerals for people like that. Maybe I'm speaking to you. It's a privilege for me to be able to be there and to try to bring a, a different perspective, a sense of hope, a different orientation of life into the midst of it. But a lot of people I find, especially in times like that, they start to question. Maybe you do as well. They start to question. Is God even here? Does God even care? Is God out to get me? Does God even exist? I think it's normal to ask questions in times like that. And if you are, acknowledge it and accept it. 
God will meet you in that place. But I want to tell you, whatever you're feeling and whatever your loss, whatever your grief, you can trust God with it. You know, I tell people at funerals that if you're here today and you're grieving, and your only answer to that grief is, well, you know, we just need to be strong. We just need to bond together to get through this. He had a good life. Thanks for the memories. I tell him, there's really not much more that I can say here today. But if you are willing to believe, if you are willing to dare to trust that there in fact is a God and that God is in fact good and that that God does in fact love you and that that God is in fact all-powerful and that that God does in fact have an answer and a resolution to all the world's losses and griefs. Maybe, just maybe, you can find more than memories in your loss and grief today. Because I'll tell you, memories are good. They're really good. But all the memories in the world do not equal up to one ounce of hope. And what God offers is more than memories. What God offers is hope. And he invites you the Gospel of John is literally a story of invitation, inviting people, whoever they may be, to believe in him, to trust him with their loss, with their grief, with their lives, with their past, with their future, with their situation, into the hands of a God who brings life. In Jesus' name, you can trust God. Dare to risk it. You can trust God in your loss and with your grief. That being said, God's reasons are not always clear. Certainly not in the moment. I think we all dream of this in one sense or another. Like, you, 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 know, you ever do this? Like, like, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him. And I even love what the Apostle Paul has to say where he talks about how like now we, we, we kind of see like through, like through a dirty window. We, 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 we see God's orchestrations in this world like unclearly, like through a dirty window. But when, but when we are there face to face with him, we will see clearly there is this hope, this promise God offers that a day will come when we are in his presence, when every bit of, of, of death and mourning and crying and pain has been washed away, when the old order has passed away, when God is making everything new, when we will see clearly. But for now... No, for now. It's not always clear. Those of you who are here, do you remember that John 11 story last week? Those of you who weren't here, let me, let me kind of do a, a, a recap of it really quick. It's really, really weird. Welcome to Jesus in the Bible. But it's good. He gets word. Okay, this is Jesus, right? This is like water walking Jesus. This is like 
Touch the blind man's eyes, Jesus. This is like, like take five loaves of bread and two fish and make it feed like thousands, Jesus. This is miracle working Jesus. This is next level Jesus. Jesus gets word that his friend is dying. Now, thanks be to God that I'm not Jesus. Because I'll tell you what I would do. Forget these other chumps, I'm going to my friend. How about you? If you had authority over disease and power and death, and God had worked through you in powerful ways, wouldn't you be spending that on your family and closest friends? Jesus intentionally stays away. You can read it for yourself in John 11. He gets word, get here quick, and he intentionally waits two more days. Now, you don't have to raise your hands, but have you ever been in those crisis moments, those life and death moments, get to the hospital now, get to the hospital quick, because this might be your final moment. I have. Do you wait two more days? You know, let's see what's on TV, because I mean, I was like really into this, and there's three more seasons. You were there in a heartbeat. Jesus stays away, and you know what happens? His friend dies. Jesus could have stopped it. His friend dies. Doesn't make sense to me. God's reasons are not always clear. A few days later, they finally journey to grieve with the family, to grieve with his other friends who just lost their brother, his friend Lazarus. Martha rushes out to meet him. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Is it angry? Maybe, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Is it throwing herself upon him? Maybe. Have you ever prayed, Lord, if you had done something? We wouldn't be in this time of grief today. God's reasons are not always clear. Jesus arguably could have shown up. Jesus arguably could have shown up in an instant. Jesus arguably could have shown up in an instant, healed that man, and made it all go away. But he didn't. And even when Jesus tries to explain just a little bit of his motive behind it, even that doesn't make sense because sometimes what Jesus even has to say into it is not always clear, but he invites us to trust him anyway. The story is kind of cool because you see in it that we realize Jesus doesn't have to be afraid in the way we are of those moments of potential loss, even death. Because even when he's face to face with death, the ultimate loss, Jesus can change it anyway. And he does. On a dime, he looks at that family. And would you say this with me? I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He says, do you believe this? Would you say it again? Would you do that for me? 
I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Oh, burn this saying on your brain. Write it on your heart. Tap into this in your time of grief because whatever your loss might be, it's got nothing. It's got nothing on Jesus. And he stands there in that time of loss, in that time of grief, at the grave of his friend, a loved one. And he says, Lazarus, come out. Mark my words, God has the power in your time of loss and your time of grief to say, Lazarus, come out. I don't know why he's letting you go through it. I don't know why he hasn't done it yet, but I do know the day will come when he will because the hope that God invites us to trust, the life that he promises us is a life of the age to come when whatever loss we face will be healed and righted. Again, this biblical writer, a man named Paul, who wrote half the New Testament, comes to the end of contemplating the reasons and motives of God and is left with nothing more than this. Let me read this to you today because I want to get it word for word right. Oh, the depths of the riches, of the wisdom, of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and the paths of him beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him and for him are all things. To him be glory now and forever, where it brings Paul in his time of loss, in his time of grief, in his time of uncertainty, is to hope, is to worship, is to praise. You can read the stories of these people in the Bible, these psalms that I read earlier, these prayers that I read earlier, keep reading their stories, and ultimately, through the pain, through the grief, through the loss, they come to a time of hope, a time of worship, a time of praise, and God is offering you a time of hope a time of worship, a time of praise. So many people blame God in their grief. I get it. But can I encourage you not to make your friend your enemy? Can I encourage you not to take the one who wants to be your ally in your grief? and view him as an enemy. Because God is there more than that. And it's the last one I want to share with you today. God is faithful. He is. He's faithful. He's faithful in your time of joy. He's faithful in your time of loss. He's faithful when he gives. He's faithful when it's taken away. He's faithful in the good. He's faithful in the bad. He's faithful when it makes sense. He's faithful when it doesn't. He's faithful no matter what you feel. God is faithful. God is there in the midst of it, in the midst of loss, in the midst of 
grief, and I know it still hurts. And I know there's still no going back. And I know still it has consequences and an aftermath of life, but God is there too. Even when you're unfaithful, God is faithful. He is. It's just the nature of the God we worship. And what I have found in my times of loss is that relying on the faithfulness of God makes all the difference. It doesn't make it go away. It doesn't take away all the pain. But for some of you, I'm not even sure that's what you want. But it does give perspective, presence, hope, strength, and joy, even in the midst of it. My prayer is that God gives you an extra measure of that perspective and presence and hope and joy. Whatever your loss, whatever your grief, I pray that you know it. I pray that you dare to believe it. I pray that you seek God in the midst of it. And in the process, experience more of the life that John is writing about in his gospel. A life found in Jesus' name. Today we commune. It's a time to come intentionally into God's presence to invite him to come into us. It's a time to be together. Because in loss and grief, it's good to come together. Hopefully a time to heal. A time to repent. A time to be honest. So that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. In Jesus' name. I'm going to invite the band to come on up. Um, I don't know. You want to sit? You want to stand? Do what you want. <laughs> but let's pray. Lord, I pray for the people here today who are grieving deeply. And I pray, God, that lessons to be learned, patterns and experiences of how you grieved make an impression on them today. I pray that in their grief they find hope. In grief they find you. In grief your ever-living presence would rest upon them. I pray for those today. 
for whom this is welled up. Grief forgotten, grief resolved. I pray, God, that as we suffer and struggle through, through a loss again, that we know we can come openly before you with it. <laughs> Knowing that in our pain and our, our sorrow and our weakness and vulnerability, you are there. I pray for those here today, God, who might not be grieving, that would use them to be indelible anchors in the lives of presence of other people, that you would build within us each a new hope found in Jesus' name so that when the time comes, we know that you are good and even in your loss, your mercy endures forever. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. I'm not done yet. Because let's pray this too. Lord Jesus, forgive us when we make you our enemy. Forgive us when we blame you, point our finger at you, and call you to account in our pain. Forgive us for thinking that we are the judge over you. God, you know we do it. We confess it before you in Jesus' name. Lord, forgive us, renew us, and lead us to hope in you, to trust in you, to see you as, as, as a friend coming alongside of us, not one who is instigated or to blame for what we face. Change our hearts, change our minds, protect us from temptation. Hear us now as we pray a prayer of confession together in your name. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, lead us, so that we may delight in your will, walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. I pray that that was healing for you. And I pray that you hear these words, that when we come before God with that kind of openness, and humbleness. He's there. And he says, I love you. I forgive you. Come here. Hear him saying that to you on my words here today. Jesus, on the night that he was to lose everything took bread. He broke it. He gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. He took a cup afterwards. He gave thanks. He gave it to them. He said, drink of this, all of you. This is my cup or my blood of a new covenant shed for you. My loss for your gain. Shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Hear what he says again. Come, come here, come here. Remember what I've done for you. Remember what I'm doing still. Remember what I have promised I will do someday. Come and do this in remembrance of me.